Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. Praise God. So, Pastor Ian's going to be here next week, and he's going to start us off on a new series. And that series is going to be in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. And we're covering the topic of rebuilding, and it's going to be good. But today, I have something else that we're going to do that the Lord has spoken to my heart. And it's from the book right after Nehemiah, Esther. And we will also look at Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. And the title of the message is Favor in Unfavorable Times. We're going to look at the role of favor in our lives, even in the midst of challenging circumstances, and how steadfast love and faithfulness is instrumental in God's purpose for favor. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence. I feel you are here. I thank you so much for how you're moving in our hearts, how you're moving obstacles that are standing in the way of your people so that your purposes Your kingdom purposes are being accomplished on this earth. Your will is being done here as it is in heaven. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that fills us, that leads us, that teaches us. Anoint my lips, Lord. Let these words come from a heart that you have prepared and speak into the hearts that you have prepared. We love you with all our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we get started, let's do a quick survey. How many in this room have either prayed for favor for yourself, your kids, or someone else? Raise your hand. Pretty across the board, everyone has prayed for favor. It is important in accomplishing God's purposes in us. We need his favor. It's a tool that he uses. And did you know that we can grow in favor? We always need favor. To honor Pastor Grubby, I'm going to use his definition of favor from his handy-dandy definition list. Favor is, according to Grubby here, a key relationship which results in access and privilege that I otherwise would not have. Favor enables me and empowers me. It results in access and privilege that I otherwise would not have. It enables me and empowers me. And we see the importance of this throughout Scripture. As a baby, Moses found favor in the eyes of an Egyptian princess at a time when all of the Jewish boys under the age of two faced certain death. As a teenager, Daniel found favor in the midst of captivity. As a young man, Joseph, when sold into slavery, he found favor in the eyes of his master, Potiphar. And when he went to prison for something he didn't do, he found favor favor in the eyes of the prison guard. And Noah, he was way up there in years when he found favor in the eyes of God, and he and his family were saved from the flood. So it doesn't matter the age, from birth to death, we need the favor of God. And all of the examples I listed were favor in times of unfavorable times, actually, because life is messy We live in a world reeling from the effects of sin. And we're living in the midst of a nation that is increasingly becoming opposed to the values 
set forth in the word of God. But we can find great encouragement and wisdom when we look at God's history with mankind, and we do so by looking through the scriptures and by talking with those who have gone before us. One of my favorite things about this new group we're doing with the retirement age, oh my gosh, I love to hear these stories. It's incredible to glean the wisdom of those who are further along in the journey, to hear the faithfulness of God in their stories, how he has repeatedly shown them favor time and time again. Many of you in this room can testify to that. So we're going to be starting in chapter 2 of Esther. Many of you know the story of Esther. We heard it as a child in Sunday school. And so I won't go into all the details. I'll summarize the first chapter, King uh, you're going to have to bear with me with the names here today because these names, I don't speak that language. King Ahasuerus had been removed. No, he had removed Queen Vashti from her royal position because she refused his request to come to the feast so that he could show her off to his drunken friends. So in order to find a new queen, he had all the beautiful virgins of the province come and they would go through a year's worth of beauty treatments in order to prepare for the the night that they were summoned to appear before him. And the one who pleased him the most would be the new queen. So starting with verse 5, chapter 2. Now, there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, (coughs) excuse me, son of Shimei, son of Kish, a Benjamite who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. He was bringing up Hadassah. Mordecai was raising Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. And when her father and mother died, Mordecai took her her as his own daughter. So when the king's order and his edict were proclaimed, and when many young women were gathered in Susa, the citadel in the custody of Haggai, Esther also was taken into the king's palace and put in custody of Haggai, who had charge of the women. And the young woman pleased him and won his favor. And the word for favor here is important because the author is using the Hebrew word hesed. It's the covenantal love. And it literally means here, she carried faithful love before him. And he quickly provided her with cosmetics and her portion of food. And with seven chosen young women from the king's palace and advanced her and her young women to the best place in the harem. We're going to skip down to verse 15. When the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abahel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter, to go into the king, she asked for nothing except for what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who had charge of the women, advised. Now Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. And when Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the women She won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. 
And most of you know how the story progresses. The king's right-hand man, Haman, devises a plot to completely annihilate all of the Jews because of his hatred for them. Mordecai communicates to Esther what was about to happen. He tells her to petition the king for favor in order to reverse the decree. She She risked her life by appearing before the king without being summoned. And verse 2 in chapter 5 says, And when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight. And he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. So the book of Esther is interesting in that the name of God, God is not mentioned once in this book. But yet we see the hand of providence sovereignly moving through all the details of the circumstances here. He, and he does so in the midst of unfavorable times for the Jewish people living in Persia. This kingdom did not share their values nor believe in their God. God is working in the details to position Esther for such a time as this, working all things out for good to accomplish his purpose, the salvation of his people, and favor was key. It brings us to our first point. When the favor of God rests upon us, his plan for us prevails in spite of obstacles. It's amazing to consider what Esther faced before she became queen. Out of all of the people who had influence in Persia, she probably had the least. She was an exile. She was an orphan. And she was a female. And females at that time were subordinate to men, viewed more as property. Over and over again, we see that Esther won favor in the eyes of those who saw her. From the moment she entered into the harem to the moment she risked her life to approach the king, we see favor granting her access, privilege, and influence that she would not have had otherwise. Nothing can stand in the way of our God. When he acts, who can reverse it? When he speaks, who can stop what he wants to accomplish with his word? It does not return void. It accomplishes every detail that he sends it to. And when you have the favor of God upon you, obstacles merely become reasons to praise God all the more. It helps us to understand there's no room for boasting (laughs) in anyone but him because you'll see how he accomplished for you what you could have never accomplished on your own. No obstacle is too great for our God. Nothing in your past, nothing anybody has done against you, nothing standing in your way. Even the government, when God says, I want something done, he accomplishes it. This is his favor. But favor, (laughs) favor can accelerate the process as well. Verse 9 said, the young woman pleased Haggai and won his favor. Now, my Bible translation says this, Haggai accelerated the process of her beauty treatments and diet regimen. And as I was preparing this message, I felt the Holy Spirit, just a weightiness when I read those words, accelerated the process. And I stopped and began to pray into that. What are you saying, God? What do you have for this body in this moment? And I, I hear him saying that we are in a season of divine acceleration. A season where 
our petitions come before him and those obstacles that have hindered us up till now will seem as nothing because of the acceleration process that he is bringing. I've defined divine acceleration as the next point. When God's timing and favor propel us into divine purpose and destiny, it's his timing and his favor coming together and just propelling us forward into what he has. I've seen this in my own life in recent prayers for people where things that should have taken weeks to accomplish, God has done it in in just a fraction of the time in order to position that person into the place they need to be right now. And I know some of you are living that divine acceleration at the moment. It can be overwhelming, but he gives the grace to handle this accelerated time. It is truly a gift to have favor. And like all gifts, it must be stewarded well. We live in a culture that focuses so much on the self, me. (laughs) And the world will tell you to use favor, to climb the ladder of success, to gain for yourself all there is to gain in this world. Admiration of others, wealth, power, fame. But we are the sons and God and daughters of the Most High. Why would we settle for anything less than what he would want for us? C.S. Lewis says, we are far too easily pleased. You know, we, we are pleased with the things of this world when God has something far greater. If we wait on him and find out what that is as we steward the favor that he gives us. The next point, favor in God's kingdom has a purpose beyond self. When Esther wavered in fear as she approached the king on behalf of her, she was fearful to approach the king on behalf of her people, Mordecai warned her of the consequences of ignoring the responsibility that comes with the level of favor that she received. It was God who had exalted her to this position for a purpose, and she would have to trust him to accomplish what was needed in that moment. Do we really believe what the Bible says? That we belong to him, that we were created for a purpose, not just for ourselves, but for him. Do we live our lives in such a way that reveals this, that says, God, I may not understand. I may be terrified, but I trust you in this moment. Esther had to realize that and come to that conclusion. And this is where we see the importance of steadfast love and faithfulness when stewarding favor. Proverbs 3, verses 3 through 4. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Now the words in Hebrew for steadfast love and faithfulness, they are hesed, that covenantal love that must be demonstrated. It's not just words. It needs to be expressed in the actions. And emeth, and that is loyalty. And when you combine these two words, it's telling us to show faithful love without fail. This is the motivating factor behind all that we do. Bind them around our neck. That means that we are 
seen. This is expressed in our actions. People see it. It's visible in, in not just what we say, but in what we do. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And this helps us evaluate our motives. God desires for steadfast love and faithfulness to be a part of our very nature because that's his nature. And it's going to flow from a heart transformed by the Holy Spirit. It's This steadfast love and faithfulness is not just something that we are forced to do. It, it's who we are, who we are in Christ. It flows through us. And when we do this, we will see the following, which is the next point. We see that steadfast love and faithfulness not only bring favor for our lives, it brings protection for our hearts. How so? Well, if I'm walking in covenant relationship with God, I'm going to want to please Him. That is my priority, first and foremost. I don't need to let fear hinder me because I have the assurance of His presence with me. He has not given me a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. And every promise that is in the Bible is mine because he said so. I belong to him. In Christ Jesus, every promise is yes and amen. I have the assurance that absolutely nothing can separate me from his love. And it's through his love and forgiveness, I can love others and forgive in the way that he has called me to. Loving God and loving others protects us from making an idol out of the blessings that favor brings. It protects us from loving the praises of man more than the approval of God. There's a few verses in John 12 that when I read them, stop me. And I pray every time I read them because it's, it's sobering. So there were many who believed in Jesus, even among the rulers, but they would not confess him because they did not want to be kicked out of the synagogue. For they loved the praises of men more than the praises of God. My God, Lord, help me to keep you number one in my heart so that I don't feast on the praises of men. I feast on your approval, your love for me. Sin makes us hungry for that which destroys but God's righteousness is greater than sin. And he lives within us through the power of his Holy Spirit and is helping us do this. So it, this also protects us from pride. When we live with the steadfast love and faithfulness toward others, we are required to clothe ourselves with humility, compassion, kindness, mercy, and patience. It protects us from selfish ambition because we're seeking the best for those around us to serve others and use the blessings and influence that we have obtained in order to bless others. We become a conduit of God's love to the world around us when we live like this, and we freely give because we have freely received. Steadfast love and faithfulness, what a beautiful way to obtain favor in the eyes of God and man. Royalty is my identity. Servanthood is my assignment. Intimacy with God is my life source. That's a quote from Bill Johnson. 
Esther did not shrink back in the moment when it mattered the most. She risked her lives, her life for the lives of others. She discovered the purpose for, for the favor that she had been given. And her actions led to the saving of many lives. But only Jesus has demonstrated Proverbs 3, 3 and 4 perfectly. Only he has lived it out to the fullest to where we have been granted something very precious. He did not shrink back from the purpose for which he came. He gave his life and he provided salvation for our souls. And because of Jesus, we have favor with God the Father through the forgiveness of our sin because of the shed blood on Calvary. Through him, we experience that perfect love. Philippians 2 tells us to do nothing out of rivalry or selfish ambition, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Looking out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. We need to have the attitude of Jesus who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant. He displayed to his disciples the night before he died what this love looks like. He took the towel, he wrapped it around his waist, and he did something that the rabbis at that time told the Jews, don't even let your Jewish servants do this. Only the Gentile servants should do this. But Jesus takes and he washes those dirty, stinky feet of each of his disciples, including the one that would betray him that, later on that night. And then he tells them, as I have done, you need to do this. You're not greater than the master. He displayed love by getting down on his knees, cleaning those feet, and serving them. It's messy. Some of those feet are really nasty. <laughs> Some of the lives... See, I love the picture of feet because it's a picture of journey. It's a picture of people walking out their faith with God. And when we come alongside someone in love, we're helping to wash away the the sin, the, the effects of this world, the pain, the, the filth. And then we provide refreshing, so to speak, in that, that moment by speaking words of life, words of encouragement, helping practically with the need. This is serving sacrificially in love. So this morning as we finish up, I just want to Speak to those, if anyone online or even in this room, you've never experienced that perfect the love of Christ because he is not your Lord and Savior. As soon as you pray the prayer, you have entered into the favor of God, the grace, which is unmerited favor. You will carry it with you, receive forgiveness, and you will carry that with you the rest of your life as the Holy Spirit leads you and teaches you. So let's pray this prayer now. Father, I thank you so much for sending your son to die for me so that I may be saved. I know that I cannot save myself. I need you. 
Please forgive me for all that I have done wrong, all the sins in my life. I ask you to come in right now to fill me with your Holy Spirit, to teach me your ways. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and rising again so that I may have salvation. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word Jesus to 610-816-6062.